Hey, it's Deborah Adams, and you're listening to the Everyday Christlike Podcast, where we focus on representing Christ each and every day. Be blessed as you listen. Hi, you guys. Deborah Adams with Everyday Christlike, and I want to open up today's podcast with a question for you. How many hours do you spend at work per week? Is it 10? 30, 40, 60, even more. I know when I was working full-time, I spent at least 50 to 60 hours working. If I wasn't on the campus or in the office building, I was thinking about some project I was doing or I was thinking about a team member. So let's do some math. There's 24 hours in a day and seven days a week. So that means that during an individual week, there's 168 hours that we need to fill. Now, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that working age people, those of us between the ages of 18 and 61, need an average of about seven hours of sleep per night. So if you do that math also, that means that we should be sleeping about 49 hours of this 168 hours that we have all together. That leaves us with about 119 hours for actual activity. If you're like me and you work an average of about 60 hours per this 119 hours, that means that you are spending about 50% of your time working or at the workplace. That's 50% of your waking hour is spent interacting with people that are outside your family, outside your intimate social circle. And it's no wonder, really, when you look at that, that the Bible gives us so many guidelines as to how best operate during these hours when our life should be pointing to Jesus Christ or pointing other people to Jesus Christ using this 50% of our time. This is what I mean when I say be a workplace witness. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for this lesson and for this group. I ask you to anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you would say about the influence that we have within our workplace. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So when I surrendered my life to Christ, which has been about 40 years ago now, it's hard to believe, I spent some of that time as a stay-at-home mom. I did, though, run um, an in-home daycare, which was a ton of work. And if you've ever seen that movie, Daddy Daycare, you'll understand some of the interactions that I got to be involved with. Once I was saved, my heart's cry, no matter where I was, was and is still is, use me, Lord. And although I had many, many roles within our various churches that we've been to, I've had speaking engagements, I've taught at Bible colleges, I have to say that probably the most rewarding times that I have spent interacting with other people have been in my work environment, in these secular environments where people don't necessarily know Christ or they feel hopeless, they're searching. Some of them don't even know kind of why they exist or what's happening in the world today. And this is where I found the greatest satisfaction in my work. I think that what happened is that God took his favor mixed it with my education, my passion for program development, and my desire to see people grow and develop and expand. 
And I always had these roles of working with teams of people. So in my moment when I would say, use me, Lord, what I was really looking for was for him to show me my mission field, which for me became the workplace for many, many years of my life. And I just want to share kind of how that really came about. I was a vice president over 10 different departments in California. I had 12 managers, about 200 staff individuals in the peak of the season working for me. And although the work was really, really rewarding, I just felt like I was missing out on doing, quote, ministry. You know, there's this religious attitude that we can get that if we're not involved in doing something within the church, or if we're not doing street evangelism where we're passing out a track or we're feeding the homeless, that we're not really doing ministry. And that is such a lie. But they were things that our family had always done. And so one afternoon, I was kind of in my gloom and doom pity party, and I went to the coffee shop to really pray. And I was actually hoping that God would release me from this vice president role so that I could get involved in more of these other activities. But you know what? Just the opposite happened. As I was sitting there nursing my skinny vanilla latte and I was thumbing through my Bible, a scripture jumped out at me. Have you ever had that happened? It's like the Holy Ghost highlighter was illuminating the fifth verse in Titus chapter one. And it says, the reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. And as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. So there it was, right on that page in highlight, as big as day, my message from God. And my message was, the answer was, no, you cannot quit because there is still work to be done. Change your perspective. Stop looking outside the walls of where you spend nearly 50% of your time and do the ministry that I am showing you in the workplace. So that's when I began looking at this workplace ministry that I had been given. And wow, I'm telling you, it changed my perspective on how I look at life and at my job. From that day forward, I have seen God do miracle after miracle in the lives of those that I co-labor with. Yes, even in the secular jobs. The greatest answers to prayer have been in those secular settings and locations. And I believe it's because the darker the environment, the harder the warfare, the greater the light becomes and the grander the outcome. So did I go around thumping my Bible on people's desks as a workplace witness? No. Did I condemn the LBGTQ that worked in my department? No. Did I live a perfect life before all of my coworkers? No. In fact, I didn't do those things because if I had, if I had gone Bible thumping, if I had been self-righteous, then when I made those mistakes, I would have been accused of being a hypocrite. That's part of what being a workplace witness is, is being real before the people. Now, was I invited to all of the after-work socials? No. The weekend barbecues? No. Did I go on breaks to participate in the water cooler talk with the rest of the group? No. 
Did I participate in work projects and work assignments that seemed unethical to me or even a little bit shady? No. Did I nearly get fired for taking these positions? Yes, on several occasions. But standing clean before God was a higher priority than making more money or getting that promotion or even keeping my job. Let's just look at some snapshots of the lives of some people in the Bible who were successful at being a workplace witness. And we're going to start in Acts 18, where Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla are working together. Aquila and Priscilla had a tent-making business, and Paul joined them when he arrived in Corinth. The three of them would work together, and for nearly three years, they worked during the day, then they went to the synagogue when it was open or they went out into the marketplace when they had time to do all of that, drawing people to the love of God. But can you imagine some of the conversations that took place within that workplace environment? It literally turned Corinth upside down. So Paul and Aquila began traveling with Paul. They actually left that business in Corinth and they ended up moving to Ephesus. They stayed in Ephesus, built their business again while Paul went on the rest of his journey. But Ephesus too was turned upside down because of the witness of these tent makers. So another person that we see that was a workplace witness is Obadiah. Now this is found in 1 Kings 18, but Obadiah was a follower of Jehovah and worked for King Ahab. Now King Ahab was an idolater and he worshipped Baal. So here you have this worshiper of Jehovah in the palace of an evil king. God used Obadiah to be that bridge between this evil king and Elijah, the prophet of Jehovah. The work that Obadiah did was actually to set the stage for that famous face-off between Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. But Obadiah had been a workplace witness connecting Jehovah's man of the hour, Elijah, to King Ahab, and it too turned the world upside down. Now we're going to go back into the New Testament, Lydia. Lydia was a successful and influential business owner. She was the seller of purple, which was a cloth made out of the dye from sea urchins, and only the very, very wealthy and royal individuals actually bought this. Lydia was extremely wealthy, and she had the ear of the people in her city. So when she gave her life to Christ, as Paul ministered to her, her home then became a main hub where Paul, his disciples, and the other citizens from all around Philippi would gather. And this city was actually, Philippi was actually the leading city in Macedonia. So here we have again a business person who is influencing their world for the gospel. Now, Joseph, we know, Joseph with the coat of many colors. Well, you may know him in his older days, and I'm going to paraphrase very quickly Genesis 39 through 41. Those chapters, this is after his brothers have sold him into slavery. He ends up in the house of Potiphar. And then through a course of many events, Joseph is actually elevated to the palace of the king of Egypt. And he is not only elevated into the palace, but he's given the second highest position in the land, only reporting to the king. 
It was absolutely amazing, the favor of God. And through all of these experiences, Joseph never forgot who he was, nor was he shy about his roots because he was a worshiper of Jehovah. Another important player in that same story is this unnamed individual, servant of the king, and he was the wine server. So one day the king was talking to his fellows around the table and he was complaining about these dreams that he was having. Joseph had not met the king yet, but the wine server had been in prison with Joseph a couple years ago, and he remembered that Joseph could interpret dreams. So this unnamed wine server, this servant of the king, was responsible for connecting Joseph, the man of God, to the king, and it brought about change in that entire land again. Now let's look at John 4, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, remember, met Jesus at the well. Jesus revealed who he was, and she went back and she told her entire town that she had met a man that had told her everything about her life. So she actually became the bridge between Jesus Christ and this entire city. And what had she been doing? She had been working. She had been fetching water. So she too is a workplace witness. We come in so many different ways. And the last one I want to talk about is the Canaanite woman. And I'm sharing this one for all of you stay-at-home moms, you mothers, that the enemy plays this lie over and over in your head that, oh, you can't be a workplace witness. You're only a mom. Oh, you can't do this. But I'm telling you that this story from Matthew 15 puts all those lies to bed and just gets the enemy to shut up. It says, leaving the place... Jesus drew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and they urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered and he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the woman, in her boldness and in her tenacity to stand for her daughter and to bridge this gap to connect her daughter to the king, King Jesus, the woman said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, meaning an un, uh, a non-Jewish person. Her answer is amazing to me. Just the boldness in this. I love it as a mother. She says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Well, it impressed Jesus too, because Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that very moment. So here is this person that stays at home with her daughter, and she is yet connecting the child to the king, something that we can do each and every day, and it makes us a workplace witness even within our own homes. Let's get really practical for a minute. As I studied out various scriptures, you know, that support the need to be a workplace witness, I found it can be overwhelming. There's so many of them, actually. But God, who is so good and loves you so much, has helped me to organize this in six specific qualities that are evident in a work 
workplace witness. So anybody that's effective in their workplace is demonstrating these qualities. And we're going to go over them very quickly, but I want you to be sure to download a study guide that you have access to on the website because all of this is outlined a bit more thoroughly as well as a place for you to take your own personal notes. So the first characteristic of a workplace witness is to be excellent. And I'm just going to give one scripture reference for each one of these characteristics. Be excellent. The scripture is from Colossians 3.23, and it encourages us to be excellent by doing what we do from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. So my takeaway on that is remember we serve an audience of one. No matter what we're doing, we want to do it in a state of excellence. Number two, is have integrity. Ephesians 5, 6, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers do, but as slaves to Christ, do God's will from your heart. The other day I asked my grandson if he knew what integrity meant and his answer was so spot on. He said, yes, Mimi, it's doing the right thing even when nobody is looking. And that's so true. You know, working when your boss is looking at you, when there's that accountability or when there's no accountability that's direct like that because we are going to have to give an account to God. Number three is show humility. And I'm referencing 1 Peter 2.18 here where it says, Submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and the gentle ones, but also to the cruel. So remember how I said that this darker environment will cause our light to shine even brighter? I wanted to share this quick story with you. I once worked for a supervisor who was so opposite of me, I mean, and my beliefs. It, It made it really, really difficult to even engage with each other. But this person was my boss. So nearly every single day I would go into this job and I literally would be thinking, this is my last day. I'm going to do something. It's going to make them mad and they're going to fire me. Well, God gave me a grace to walk out this scripture that I just said, submit to your masters with all reverence in such a way that I was able to serve my supervisor and the end of the story in a minute. The next one, number four, we need to be transparent on our jobs. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We have to be transparent in our Christian walk. It is critically important. One, it's important that they know that we are followers of Christ, that we are different like that. But also, it's really important that we be transparent when we make mistakes. Because people are looking for authenticity. Now They're not looking for these perfect people that think they're so good, but they, they want people who will show love and who will show grace. So walking in the same love and the same grace that you receive from God when you're making mistakes is what we need to be showing to others. And that's what I mean by being transparent as a workplace witness. Number five is staying prayerful. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 say... I urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, and for all those who are in authority. 
Remember my little story where I went into work every single day expecting to lose my job because my boss and I were rubbing each other the wrong way. Well, God began to give me a heart to just really pray for my supervisor. And I mean pray. You'll see in that scripture, there's four approaches in prayer, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. And I looked up each one of those, which I'm going to leave for you to do on your own because it's a really a good study. But what I began to do was to approach my prayer for my supervisor from each one of those positions. And I'm telling you, he moved and he moved miraculously. First of all, he gave me a heart for this person. We became very, very close and they actually confided in me before they left the company that they had accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. It was a miracle. Now, I would have loved to have worked under them when they were this new creation in Christ, but just knowing that they're heaven-bound, that is totally enough for me. The last one I want to talk about as being a workplace witness is to take action. Matthew 4.19 says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There are so many encouragements about acting as a workplace witness, but we don't want to let those get lost outside of the actual commands to witness because that's what he also does. And you'll see that when you use our reference guide. He commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. As I close today, I just want to share a story that I hope will help you to understand why I am so passionate about this workplace witnessing. You see, Tracy and I, Tracy being my husband for you that don't know us, (laughs) Tracy and I are products of a workplace witness. So here's how this 10-step action went down. It was before we knew Christ when we were living in Santa Clara, California. Tracy was working with a man named Jimmy. Tracy didn't know Jimmy very well, but he really liked his work ethic. Tracy asked Jimmy to come in with him on a business idea that Tracy had, which was opening a bar. Jimmy's response was really interesting because, and I quote, he said, no, this is not conducive to my lifestyle. The sixth thing that happened was this got Tracy very curious about Jimmy's lifestyle. And so he asked, what is your lifestyle? Jimmy said, I'll show you. And he invited Tracy to church. Tracy went alone with Jimmy that first time, but he came home and he said, we're going together next Sunday. And that's what we did. And on that Sunday, August 28th, Tracy and I got saved. So for Jimmy's workplace witness, Tracy and I got saved. We started a noontime prayer group in our home that was full of Tracy's coworkers. All of our children are saved and they're influencing many lives on their own. My whole side of the family, my mom and dad and sisters and brothers, they are all now saved. Tracy's family already was. We were a bit behind the game. And then there's all these other lives that Tracy and I have been able to be a part of and bless and help. So why did all of this take place? It took place because Jimmy was excellent in his work. He had integrity at his work and in his life. He walked humbly without self-righteousness. He was transparent about his relationship with Christ. He prayed for those he worked with and he 
actively pursued the open door to share his faith when God gave him the opportunity. So my life has been completely changed because of this workplace witness, and I am so, so grateful. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. You are so good to surround us with people who know your word, who apply your word, and to help us to live out Christ each and every day. I pray, Lord, that as you have done that for us, that we will do that for other people. We will take our sphere of influence, God, and we will reach out and we will love people. We will be transparent and share Christ with people. We will pray for people. We will allow you to give us a heart for those that we might even be in opposition with. And we look to you to bring forth the fruit from the seeds that we plant. Thank you. We love you, Father. Bless your holy name. Amen. That's it for today. But don't forget to access the Workplace Witness Study Guide that we have on the website. And please, please, please reach out to us through social media if you have a prayer need. Together, let's continue to get to know the Word of God, to apply the Word of God to our lives, and each and every day share Christ with someone new. God bless you.